All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbrett, and joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Full, and our uh, our long-lost co-host brethren down below joining us again, Mr. Drew Gregory. What's going on, fellas? Not much, man. Just uh, <laughs> been a pretty busy week. Uh for me and for you, it's all—it's only just begun, my friend. And and Andrew, I've listened. You know, I'm a serious fan of this podcast, guys. I listen to every episode on the my you know trips to the tournaments. And Andrew, I know you are getting slammed with uh, guide trips and everything else you got going on. Plus, you have a little one too, still. So your life's always busy, my friend. But I'm glad to be back on here with you, fellas. Thanks for joining us. And I just want to say congrats to both of you. I guess we can open the show by saying the champs are here. <laughs> so, which is awesome. You guys respectively off, won baby. the, the oh, biggest right. I probably should show tournaments that. in the kayak thing, right? Like the Hobie and Bassmaster Kayak Series. Oh. That's incredible. Congrats to both of you, seriously. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Some serious hardware there. Jeez, that's a nice nice trophy Hobie's got this year, man. I might, I might have to uh, shoot for yeah, one of those. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'll just throw in a, an entry fee and get me one of them trophies. <laughs> yeah, if only if only it was that easy. Hang on, let me yeah, post this right. to Instagram so we can get some people people on oh, here. Yeah. All right, post heck it yeah. to the IG. Story is up. That's, All right. Uh, Andy, dude, thank you for holding down the fort last week, you and Deacon. It feels like a year since I've been on the show. And uh, I have to be honest, the, the week of peaceful tent camping, I say peaceful tent camping, but waking up at, 3.30 in the morning and walking a mile to my car, which we'll get into that campground story here in a second. Yeah. Wasn't exactly peaceful, but it was a relaxing week. And thank you guys for holding down the fort while uh get to go fishing. Hey, it was a much needed vacation for yourself, which turned into a mighty fine one. So yeah, we, uh, we came home with 11 grand out of a plastic boat. So you can't really complain with that wedding fund. Not at all. Yeah. And hey, look, your entry fee was what two sixty, quote unquote. Quote. <laughs> fishing <laughs> yeah. tackle, fishing tackle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If she's listening, it's a wedding fun. But no, it's we're going <laughs> fishing, boys. <laughs> that's right. And your entry fee was what? I mean, you probably spent a thousand bucks on that trip. You know what I mean? Gas or you you camped or whatever. I don't know what you spent, but entry fee was like two sixty. So I mean, what's impressive is to win that. You know, in a whatever an open or something a lot of times you're spending five grand just on the entry fee alone then the travel and the gas is so much more i mean dude you your net was unreal that's that's really cool man yeah uh deke and i are actually talking about potentially uh doing a show about this like what it might look like for expenses and, and profits for like an open or an elite series tournament getting guys from those niches to come and talk about what they'll pay out like expense wise and then what they earn, you know, if they win or like get a check. Um, but dude, like, I think it was, I think my total was probably around 800 bucks spent. Yeah. To, for, to get down there. And most of that was gas because camping for the week, I think it was like 115 bucks for like eight. I think it was like seven nights. Like it was a big return on investment going down there. <laughs> and huge shout out to uh, Jason Alford. I don't think he's out to be tuning in tonight. Hopefully he is, but uh, he uh, convinced me, I uh, like probably two hours before the cutoff to join the uh, the Peach State Kayak Anglers Trail that they're doing in conjunction Saturday, and got third in that. So got some nice four hundred bucks. To, Extra, uh, yeah. Uh, that covers a good one. The trip. Yeah, 
He's a good dude. Yeah. But yeah, let's let's start getting into this thing because like I was excited for this show because one getting you back on here because we we talked a bunch, you know, throughout practice, like your practice, throughout my practice, you know, your drive uh there and back, my drive there and back. You know, we were in constant communication. It was just kind of cool how we got some victories pretty pretty close together. That was pretty crazy, man, because we do stay in touch quite a bit. Uh, you know, friends on and off the water and on the podcast, off the podcast. And it's just kind of <laughs> crazy how it worked out like that, man. I mean, you were like right involved with my event because I wanted to talk to somebody outside of the event. And, you know, I mean, you're just kind of always up for talk, which is which is what's cool for you guys that don't know Bailey. I mean, he obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you probably know this. He just loves this sport like he he loves it i mean there's no doubt about it you can't do a podcast look i can't do a podcast this i do like one a month and that's like a lot for me right i mean i mean my own podcast i do go on other ones from time to time but dude you're on this thing constantly look at this what is he saying two champions andy andy you're next buddy yeah you're next the, the, the issue with that real fast sorry <laughs> no you're good go ahead I, right now, I think I'm only fishing two tournaments all year, so oh, man. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one. And uh, and the one I'm still on the fence with me and Bailey were talking about fishing on a Finger Lake, but uh, the other one is the Canadian Tire Open, which is a Canadian tournament on Lake Erie that uh, me and my partner Josh almost won a few years ago. Out of I think there's like 95 boats. Um, so, and then our good buddies won it the year after. So that's the one that I'm really looking forward to in October. But those, those are really the only two I have on my calendar you can at do this it. moment. I mean, you know, Bailey, how many tournaments have you fished this year? Kayak tournaments. Uh, I think that was my second one, but third one. Second. Yeah. Okay. Second one, Andrew. Did you hear that? He did two. <laughs> he's doing more, but he's only done two and he's already won one. So you can do it. You've got two in your schedule. I was on my fourth one. It took me you know, my fourth to do it this year, but, uh, well, technically actually, if we count that local tournament Saturday, it was my third. Okay. Well, it's still possible. <laughs> the law of averages, you can, you can make it happen with, with just even two. We believe in you, unless you want to go fish the Champlain tournament that I'm fishing with the KBF tournament and a kayak. I know you could, you could really do good up there with those. Uh, take my hobby. Fish. So yeah, take oh, his hobby. Geez. I already got the lodging Airbnb set. I, I would uh, love to, but I'm booked that weekend for guide trips. So I'm still I'm still trying to talk Andy into doing a one v one on the Hobie, like taking him down to Morgan. I would Green. lose all day. I would lose all day. I, I don't. Think I think you would bet. love you would love the Hobie. I, I'm sure I would you love would. the Hobie, but I don't like losing. So <laughs> 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 this is a severe disadvantage. <laughs> Heck, um, if anyway. Bailey had a boat, to be honest, if Bailey had a boat, I think I would be at a disadvantage. So, dude's a hammer. Except I've for driven sure. a boat like four times in my entire life. So I'd have to learn to drive the damn thing first. They're not hard. They just go straight. Yeah, that's hard to believe, Bailey. I can't believe that. Um But uh but anyway, you are you do love the sport. What I was saying, you are passionate. You you know, you're the same on and off the camera. So it's cool. I mean, I call you up and we're just pumped to talk fishing. You know, I'm on the road or you're on the road, um, uh, talk about the tournament, some stuff we're we're thinking about trying so it's really cool to have somebody everybody's got those kind of people obviously you know just a few people you can call and they're just as jacked up as you are you know on the road so it's pretty cool that we were able to pull this off you know back to back and i'm excited to get into it and and definitely want to shine a much bigger light on your tournament and your win it's it's pretty impressive man it's the more recent one and, and this is your podcast really so let's uh man i want to start with that that's what i want to know about i want to hear more about it because i specifically cut our conversation off a little early the other day so that i couldn't hear any more 
I plus had kids screaming and stuff. But anyway, <laughs> I, I want to know about it now. I want it all fresh during this podcast so I can react in real time. So give it to us, Gator Bait, as uh, Jim Johnson is saying. Gator in Bait. The, uh, <laughs> 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 so first that I want to hear about the crazy Gator story. Like oh, uh, dude. you called and freaked out about. So we'll start there, first of all. I think you posted a clip about it earlier. I did. Yeah, I posted a clip about it on my Instagram of like me rounding this corner, like half paying attention. And this like 10 plus footer comes crashing off the bank, like huge splash. And all I see is his head go into the water towards me. And I'm like being the New Yorker. I'm like crapping myself like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And I wasn't saying, oh, God, it was expletives. But uh, it was just like trying to, you know, and it's hilarious because you say run for your life. But I was pedaling for my life. Yeah. Um, but no, it Cue was the uh, Jaws theme. Yeah, <laughs> there'll be a there'll be actually it's it's funny. So there'll be a podcast out tomorrow. I did uh, this evening with Angler's Channel, and those boys are actually from uh, Alabama. And that was one of the biggest things they wanted to talk about was you know what that was like being this gator infested waters in a plastic boat where you're at water level with these things. And I was like, at first, dude, like the first ramp I pulled up to in practice, there was like two gators, like decent sized ones, sitting where exactly where I needed to launch. And I waited like a chicken. I waited like 30 minutes to launch to make sure they didn't come back up when they slinked back into the water. Um, but honestly, I learned pretty quick that they're actually pretty afraid of you, like even if you're in a kayak. Uh, but this is like the time of year. Apparently, it's their mating season that you do not want to piss them off. And uh, kind of, we'll get a, into a cool story at the end that uh, Brady, who's the day one leader, and I ran into one that was uh, – on the verge of mating and was very temperamental at the last hour of day two. And I heard it. We'll get into it in a second, but uh, dude, the lake was fishing really tough because I, I think day one, there was about, I think it was 30 something limits out of 176 anglers, which is when you think about that ratio, that's kind of insane. Yeah, yeah. And remember, I told I told you that on the phone. You did. Yeah, no, you I called said, it. I, the previous year, I'd gotten seventh at the Bassmaster Kayak Series on Ufala. It was held on May 1st. Russ Snyder's took the win in that one. And I told you, I said, Bailey, 25 guys out of 101 got limits. So don't be discouraged when you're getting up, you know, get down there, and it's going to be super tough because, <laughs> I mean, a limit for two days in a two-day tournament is going to cash you a check down there. And, of course, you, you took it a step further and just went ahead and won the whole thing. But anyway, we knew it was going to be tough for sure. And that I think having that mentally, knowing that ahead of time, even during your pre-fishing was probably, hopefully it helped a little bit, knowing that it's just the deal down there. It's not not always easy, even this time of year. Yeah, and so, like, we had that conversation. And, like, you, every prediction you had was, you, you know, nail on the head. Like, you were right on. Um, but I doubted you. I will say that I doubted you the first day of practice because – I, I launch the kayak and I see low sixties and it got up to like 65 water temps that day. And within like the first 30 minutes, I was blasting him on a frog and dumped a seven plus pounder on a frog. And I'm like, dude, this is just going to be crazy. People are going to catch them all over the place. And I had that mentality of like, this is going to be so much fun, but like, it's going to be hard to cash a check in this one just because it seemed like fish were everywhere. Uh, that was until the thunderstorms rolled in the first night that literally pounded the place for like almost 10 hours straight of just pouring rain. And so proceeding to that, the next day was just the lake became mud, like less than an inch of viz. Like you could put your jig halfway through the water and you couldn't see, you know, your black and blue trailer, but 
Like it was just gone. The water was that muddy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started running like a bunch of different creeks and stuff because my, my plan going down there was I was assuming that these fish would be either late on the bed or just coming off the bed into a post spawn phase. So being the guy that I am electronically, like I love to find them offshore. Uh, I was going to go graph like, you know, for near the near most nearby brush piles uh, around like the biggest, you know, most prominent spawning areas in the lake. Uh, and that obviously changed in practice when I saw the water temperatures. So I started running different creeks and I think I had, I was telling you guys and both of you guys on the phone, I think I had two fish in like three days. It was horrible. And the last day of practice after well, from that plan, I drove the entirety of the lake. I pulled a Drew Gregory and checked every <laughs> single possible Creek on the entire lake. Um, just looking for clear water. I think that was like the biggest key at that point was to get some visibility for some fish to actually see your bait. Um, and what I did was I, I couldn't find anything successful on the main lake. So looking at the river, I was like, well, at least if I'm not going to have visibility, I'm going to look for current to have something in my favor to try to get these uh, fish to eat. And what I did was looking at Google Earth at the camp one night, uh, the night before the last day of or last morning of practice, I should say, because we got like a half day. Uh, I looked at Google Earth and I used the history feature. And I think it was like 2015 or 16 where I looked up river, like way, way up river. And I see one of these Creek arms coming back. Actually the, the, the Alabama guys down there call them shoots, which I think I, I yeah. like that term shoot over a Creek. Um, way in the back looked like it cleared up. And I was like, either it just hadn't gotten muddy yet on Google earth or this actually stays clear. And I figured it's only, you know, I have, haven't, I've basically checked everything. I might as well at least go try it. And so I launch and I go and I check that area and I round this corner and it's all mud, all mud. And there was just like a hard line where it turns from mud to like this clear tannic Florida water. And I see like beautiful green, healthy hyacinth mats for like a 200 yard stretch. And I see a little bit shad popping here and there. So I just pick up a spinnerbait and like one of my first casts paralleling this hyacinth mat was like almost a five pounder. So I'm like, oh, and I see one with it. So I'm like, okay, well, you know what? I'm not going to bother fishing this stuff because this is the best thing I've found all week. Tournaments tomorrow. Uh, So what I did actually was I had my helix and my auto chart chip in my helix and Lake Master just showed basically a flat that goes back like two to three foot. And so what I did is I graphed and I auto charted the mats to see which one was, if there one was one that might be deeper than the rest, because throughout the week, obviously the water rose and got muddy, but eventually, and it's usually about a week out or so when things start to start drawing back down, the water was going to recede and fall. And I wanted to find the one that was deepest. That way, if there were a bunch of fish in this area, they would congregate on that deepest mat. So I auto charted it. That way I could have a peace of mind because I knew if I'm going to live here, I'm not bringing the graph out the two days because I want to have at least the most, like, I should say the less impact possible. I don't, I don't want my sonar pinging like crazy while I'm trying to fish these mats. Um, so I auto tried it and found that this one fifty yard stretch was just a foot deeper than the rest, which came in clutch for day two. Um, so going into day one, I showed up to... No, this the shoot that we're fishing, and there was only there's two other guys that are fishing this area. One guy turned out to be Brady Store, who was leading after day one. 
Didn't realize that was him until after the tournament day. Yeah, good dude, by the way. Nebraska, he's really all in on this stuff. Younger guy. He, uh, he stayed actually with me at um, at Santee, Hobie Santee at, at the house there. So good dude. So shout out to Brady. Uh, had a yeah. good finish too, as well, by the way. So good job, Brady. Yeah, he finished fourth uh, from mm-hmm. Nebraska. Super, super cool dude. Um, we'll get into more about Brady in, in a second. And then uh, it was his buddy that uh, I actually, him and I fished uh, or launched the same ramp at, uh, ramp at Toledo Ben. So we were joking about that and I had known him. Uh, so he didn't have, unfortunately, he didn't have a good day, day one in there. Um, but I started way above um, the highest in mats because the banks leading up to it were really hard. So there was a big shad spawn going down, but I learned quickly that there was too much shad. Like you, you would just be snagging shad every cast. So your bait was not getting in front of fish. Um, at least your percentage of getting in front of fish just wasn't worth it. So, but as soon as I finally got to that high sit mat, I started catching fish and I had my limit, uh, on day one within like an hour. Um, and I checked, you know, I, I used to be, you know, with the local tournaments, I never check standings whatsoever because they're one day tournaments and I can be a head case where, you know, if I see I'm winning or not winning, it'll affect right. me one way or another and affect how I fish. And I don't want that to happen. You got to burn it down anyway. It's one day, burn it all down. What's it matter? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So this for the day two events, what I've been realizing and that I want to do is check it on day one so that I can see, I think it was really important for this event because I think bites were hard to come by for a lot of folks. And the bites seem to die at 10 AM because of that shad spawn. I had all my limit and I checked it at like 10 o'clock. And I was sitting in first uh, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to fish anymore in here. I'm going to head out and fish new water. And if I need to come back, I'm going to keep checking the standings. And if I need to come back to stay in contention, I will. But I stayed in contention and Brady made a huge call like late in the day that put him in first and I was tied for second. And that's how the day ended. I didn't have to go back there, which I think was a clutch move on my part leaving. Um, and, I, and then I, that was when I realized that it was Brady back there in the same area as me. Uh, so day one, um, tied for second, but was third because of the tiebreaker. The guy in front of me had uh, a bigger fish than I did. He had a 20-incher, which that was something I realized looking at Turn X after day one was the, in top, the top 10, almost everyone had a 20-incher. I didn't. I had biggest I had was a 19, so I had a consistent bag. And I knew that day two, if I could get a limit and get one of those 20-inch uh, plus bites that I would have a shot. And so we'll get into that in a second, but dude, the most peaceful launch ever. in, in my, of any kayak tournament was day two when Brady and I realized we're the only ones that are going to be back there and we're taking oh, wow. our sweet time, no racing, having a great conversation going back. Cause dude, we, we realized we talked cause when I realized it was him back there, I went up to him at the ramp and, and just made sure to have the conversation. So I wasn't stepping on his toes. He wasn't stepping on mine acknowledge that we both got a chance and uh he was fishing completely different stuff than i was um so we ended up actually like starting on the same side of like the spot like back into the shoe the yeah yeah, shoot, like, mm-hmm. yeah he was on the left side i was on the right he was fishing laydowns i was fishing hyacinth mats and uh he left pretty quick after i put three 13 inches in the boat in like five minutes and then a four pounder and then i looked back and he was gone i don't think he liked seeing me catch fish that fast uh but i I got a a limit within the first 20 to 25 minutes um and when i the my my fourth fish was an 18 incher and i'm like this is going to be clutch if i can fill a limit i'm pretty much guaranteed to stay in the top 10 uh unless people just blast them but 
um, moving along, like literally probably five minutes after I caught that 18, I caught a 15, filled my limit. I felt really good about the day. I'm like, now I just need to catch big ones because I need to get rid of these 13 inches and go down the bank, maybe another 50 yards. And I catch a six and a half pounder, 21 and three quarter incher, like in eight right at the boat. I, I, I'll show, I mean, obviously it's going to be in the chasing hardware episode, but I yeah. flipped out. <laughs> like, Count like, your blessings, son. Yeah. Count yeah. your blessing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it was one of those bites where you get it in the net and you're like, you're like it's like as a tournament angle you know this feeling you're like we got a shot boys yeah you know everything on the spinnerbait everything every single bite was on a spinnerbait paralleling that hyacinth mat as as flush as i could get it yeah the best bites i got and i noticed this too like once i got bites but also looking at the gopro footage it had to have like an irregularity in that mat Mm -hmm. so where i was able to cast past it like say it's a point in that mat and angle my line and my rod to let that spinnerbait come under the mat. And that one, I was when I was get floored. Yeah. So that, that was, that was the key was focused on those irregularities in that mat, but that's where they were sitting. And they were, there was like a very subtle shad spawn going in that high set mat and enough of a, a, enough of a shad spawn to get fish in there, but not an, not too much enough so that I could actually get my bait in front of some fish. And that, that seemed to be the key. And I had my, you know, my, my limit on, Sunday, probably in the first hour, hour and a half, I couldn't submit them all until like 10 o'clock because I didn't have service for most of the time. But like the rest of the day I was catching, you know, I called up, I think twice, two or three times with like 15, 16 inches. Um, then the rest of the day I could only catch like 13s and 12s and like little ones. Uh, but from like 1030 when uh, the, I, this is a whole different story. I felt really bad for Steve Fields, like the camera guy uh my phone was blowing up off the hook and that's kind of how i started to feel like especially it was sort of blowing up after i submitted that six and a half pounder that people were starting to text me and post about it and uh (laughs) and i get i started getting phone calls i got like five phone calls in a row and i'm like which one of my buddies in their right mind is calling me right now they know how i operate like i won't answer for one and two it'll just screw me up to talk on the phone which i think is against the rules anyways and uh, I finally get, keep buzzing. I went to go put my phone on do not disturb. And I see it's this unlisted number from Gainesville, Florida. And I was like, huh. And I just, I forcefully just ended the call on purpose to maybe like let them get the point. Like, I'm not going to answer you. And it turns into a voicemail. And I'm like, oh, all right, I'll just click on the voicemail because it transcripts like what they say. It's like, hey, it's just Steve. You know, like we're the photographer for Hobie. You're like, can we get a, we're trying to take pictures of you. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, it, I felt bad. It was ignoring this guy. Uh, but I had a feeling like from then that the camera boat was looking for me, that something's good is happening right now. But I tried to force myself to stay in the mindset of somebody's going to catch me. I still got to keep upgrading. Like, cause you can't with those hammers, dude, you can't, you can't stay comfortable. But uh, I held the lead and uh, rest of the day from 10 30, basically when the camera boat showed up until the end of the day, I never caught a single bass. Uh, I, I joked with Steve and said that it was his fault that because he showed up that the fish were camera shy and that's why I wasn't catching fish. <laughs> um, but uh, I ended up meeting up at the end of the day. I rounded this corner and saw Brady right as my both of our alarms went off that the uh, tournament day was over. And Brady come up to me and he's like, oh, congrats, dude. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, when the standing shut off, you were seven inches ahead of everybody. And I was like, well, don't tell me that. 
Because then I look on Facebook and I see Ron Champion's like 22 and a half inch giant. I'm like, oh, great. Lovely. Late day, like submission in the last hour. Um, and Brady gives me a like one of his custom made handmade spinner baits as a present. Like I have a clip of it. It was kind of funny. That's cool. Uh, but we get to awards and this is before uh, AJ and Ron both scared the crap out of me because I didn't think I had it won because I saw Ron's late day calls and we get down to Ron and I at the awards and Ron whispers over to like leans over and whispers to me. He goes, would I scare you if I told you I had two giant calls in the last hour? I'm like, oh, dang, you won this <laughs> yes. thing, dude. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then AJ starts it off with like, you know, Ron came in huge with these massive late at like last hour calls to like bump him up. And I'm like, oh, dang, I really lost this thing. And then uh, he goes, but it wasn't enough to take over Bailey's limit. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> and then my brain went to a fog and proceeded with my horrible stage speech. No, it was and, good, man. AJ did a good job building some drama for sure. Cause you yeah. got to do that. You know what I mean? He's got to do that, that the standings went off and you were in the lead uh, by a lot. So you were great on stage. Don't, don't sweat it. Um, for sure. And, and I know you're going to be even better in all these recaps because you're going to have more time yeah. now <laughs> to, to get everybody in. So Andy's reaction exactly was how I felt during that. I don't know what to do with my hands. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Talladega. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> There's Steve now. Steve's yeah. coming on. So now the, Steve in there. the fish are going to stop biting now that Steve's in here. But that's right. <laughs> <laughs> What's oh, up, that's Steve? But yeah, that was that was my well, event. I mean, it was it was. It, I think it really reinforced that theory of like, if you're slightly on them in practice, you're probably gonna have a good tournament day. But like, if you're like dialed in in practice, you're probably gonna suck. <laughs> <laughs> it often works that way. Andy, you got any uh, comments or anything you want to quiz them on after hearing that whole the whole story? Well, yeah. So like, I know what you were doing, right? The spinner bait, but. How bad I know how you are. So how bad did your head spin during your really cruddy practice? I don't think it really spun. It was more like I was kind of thinking that it's like I'm gonna go fish free, I guess, because like what do I have to lose? Because I don't I'm not on anything. Yeah. Um, Can you I'm tell like, them the truth? Tell them the truth, Bailey, about how every time you called me, what happened? Every time you were on the oh, phone dude. with me during practice, uh, I don't know what to do. A horrible practice, you know, quote unquote, is what he's telling me. And then all of a sudden, what happens? So I would call Drew and I'm like, dude, this <laughs> sucks. Like, I hate this place because I couldn't catch a bass. And as soon as I would tell Drew that, I'd catch a bass. <laughs> yeah, I think you actually it's lost so that funny. seven, eight pounder on the phone with me. I, th- I think maybe not. Maybe it wasn't. No, that I called one. you right after that. Right after. Because okay. we were on the phone because we hung up. And like two minutes later, I hooked into that one. So probably if I, we stayed on the phone, I would have yeah, landed probably. it. But yeah. because you had to go, I think if you were had to give your kid a bath or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Because you did that, that's why I lost it's the biggest. Because I was a responsible <laughs> parent. Well, yeah. Clean my kid. Well, you were not a responsible <laughs> friend. You should have stayed on the phone with me. I know. My bad. My bad. And look where it got you. Just a big W. Eleven thousand dollars later. Yeah. yeah. What a jerk <laughs> I am. It's no, funny that, though, like. All the people that are always like, I had this horrible practice, but I have some clues are the people that always do really well in tournaments because they know how to expand on the clues once the derby day comes. So kudos to you, man. Uh, dude, I'm one of those guys, man. I really am. I'm never on. I'm never quote unquote on anything in practices because Bailey alluded to it. 
I spend most of my tra- practice driving around the entire fishery looking at mm-hmm. everything. And, and I know it's not, I mean, if you don't have a lot of experience catching bass and you're not a real veteran seasoned angler and don't know what to you're looking for, that does you no good, no mm-hmm. good. You need to be on the water catching fish and honing your, your skill and, and figuring out an area. But if you really understand the bass and what you're specifically looking for, you know, to catch them the way I like to catch them, that's kind of where I, I like to look for water where I can power fish and whatnot. But anyway, usually I'm not catching a lot of fish on pre-fishing because I'm popping into a place real quick, sampling it, just that buffet, if you will, just kind of sampling, getting out, moving to the next one. And then on tournament day is when I really just know exactly what I got. But what's cool is if I don't have anything by, you know, three, four hours in, I've always got an exit strategy to, to take, you know, the kayak out, load it up, crank up the Tacoma, move somewhere else that I sampled and thought had a lot of potential as well. And then hopefully land on them enough to be like, in contention and that striking range for a check or the win. And now I really know the deal. Cause I don't want to burn up all the fish for the event. So that's kind of my take on it and strategy. And my tournament was a one day, uh, this Bassmaster, but this particular one was a one day. They have some there too. So I had to learn a little bit more in, in pre-fishing and catch a few more fish than I normally would. But, uh, anyway, Bailey. So I got some stuff for you on your, okay. your tournament here. I want to, I want to add to that really fast. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so what's really cool with my job is I get to talk to a lot of like these pros that be, I find success because I write the press releases. So naturally I get to talk to the winners. When Seth fighter won his AOI last year, we were writing up this press release on him. One of the biggest things that's resonated with me was he goes, I never want to figure them out in practice because what it yeah. does is it makes me too dialed in on something that I ignore other opportunistic chances of catching fish. So he goes, I want to figure out a few clues and put them together in the tournament because it keeps my mind open to all the options in front of me. Bam. 100%. And that was that hit me hard at Ufala where it's like where I find just a couple clues and then let me just, you know, figure it out on tournament day. Obviously it's a little bit different right. being able to fire up a 250 and you know, figure it out a little bit faster, but yeah. I'm just hoping for the best on day one. Yeah. But he's not scared. That's the thing. He's an experienced enough angler and confident enough in his skills. He's not scared to go into a derb with, without just smashing him in practice. He just has enough clues to kind of know where he can move to and adjust. And he's just not scared. That's kind of the point. I think where I've gotten and and I think you know you're there. I mean, any of the the, the top anglers, they're just not. I mean, look at John Cox. He goes tournament to tournament without practice. Sometimes one day I mean, of practice. One day maybe. I mean, <laughs> half just, a day. Oh, he hilarious. can figure it out. So yeah. anyway, that's, that's pretty cool, Bailey. That's a good, good point. Yeah. Um, but I had, I had a question so, or a couple things, a couple comments here. One, um, you're in a slew, a, a shoot, a slew. What you t- said right there is pretty interesting. You know, you're calling it a Creek, but really that slew, and I kind of know where you are, but just so you know, a lot of these slews are eventually there, they get filled in and they are become oxbows that are like almost yeah. even separated from the main lake and river. But, until that happens, there's slews. And when the main river's flowing down, they're back the opposite direction. It's backwards and back upstream. They don't muddy up as bad. But the other cool thing is at the, the top of them, which is where you were, a slew like that is naturally, it's not really a creek. There's no flowing water coming into mm-hmm. it, really. Not a lot. It's a barely a little bit, usually, if any. And when it does come in, a lot of times it's swamped out coming in. So it's spread out through the swamp. Uh, wide so therefore you don't have one shoot of water creating mud so what mm-hmm. you did is you found the clear water it's getting nice and filtered it's not like a big enough creek like i said a big enough 
drainage of a watershed to create any mud and it's all forest there uh mm -hmm. pretty much so you're not going to get any man-made runoff so you found this sort of uh, you know there's a few little secrets you could do to always find clear water on any fishery no matter how bad the storms were and obviously at some point clear water it becomes a necessity to catch fish because there's a reason why bass don't live in the main mississippi river on the main main river all the way down in new orleans or louisiana you don't see people fishing the bank on the main river right they're all in the oxbows and the and the, the creeks and the backwaters they don't like to be in that kind of chocolate milk Mm -hmm. uh, or they don't feed in it when they are there. They wait for it to get clear. So in this tournament, you had to find that clear water and you did it, man. That's pretty cool. Um, I want to know, I'm sure people out here listening, uh, what's your setup? Tell me exactly about the spinnerbait, the blade combination and your rod and reel setup. Uh, just so people out there that are also kayak fishing, throwing spinnerbaits might, might glean a little info off that. Yeah. So I'll start with the rod. The rod is actually an alpha angler. It was an alpha angler clutch, which is a, a seven, five medium fast, but if they say medium fast, it is not a medium. Andy can attest to that. It's more like a, a medium heavy, if any, just kind of like a, almost a blend between a medium and a medium heavy where you have enough backbone to set that hook, but enough parabolic bend to the rod where they can dig as hard as they want. If you got beef enough line and you know how to hold, like manage fish, they're not going to come off. Um, so that was the rod. And then I was throwing a Abu Garcia Revo SX. It was a seven, three to one. And 17 pound Seaguar and Vizex. And that was two in a half ounce white accent spinnerbait. I think it was the river special because it was, it was big gold and silver willow blades. Um, and I wanted bigger blades over anything smaller, even like trying to with Colorado's. And I liked that gold in there because with that Florida, and then Andy pointed this out too when I told him on the phone that I liked gold over it, it was because that, that water looked such like Florida tannic water that gold flashes so much better. Yeah. And I don't know if it would have mattered too much if I had double silver or had gold, but to me, the, the gold looked way better and it was more of just like a personal confidence thing than anything else. Exactly. Uh, that, that was the setup. And I had a, uh, a paddle tail swim bait on the back of it too. Cool. Cool. And that tannic water is another <laughs> clue that you did. You, you were draining a swamp, like a swampy wooded area, not really a true Creek. Cause all those tannins get in the water and that's how you get that dark color. Um, mm -hmm. So that's pretty cool, man. That's that's a cool deal. Yeah. A good setup. You know, a lot of folks out there, uh, you know, you're in a bigger, you know, Hobie pro angler. It's a little more stout than the little uh, Crescent Ultralight I was in. But e even having said that, in a kayak, if you're kayak fishing, you really want to make sure you're getting the, you know, almost a little one step heavier action on a lot of your rods and reels setup because your kayak is is able to move when you set the hook. So you had a nice stout rod, it sounds like. And uh, what, what did you say? What kind of line you were using again? 17 pound floor. 17. Yeah. So, and you're probably really laying into them as hard as you can because I mean, again, your kayak's can, moving yeah. Yeah, if you can. So and a lot of times you're pedaling, even moving a little bit forward with them, kind of like on a, a bass boat, your trolling motors, trolling motors moving forward. And therefore you see those guys, you know, really have to almost walk back sometimes to really continue to drive that hook home. So mm -hmm. Now that, that's a that's cool man a good setup so i caught a few on a spinnerbait as well and we'll get into my story but um it's it's interesting i like to see some of the similarities things we were doing similar what was your water temp the water temp back there was 75 okay so it was a yeah. big difference from the rest of the water Ooh. i found yeah uh, but also i mean that goes back to what we were saying because i told you both on the phone that what i wanted to find was exactly what you just pointed to drew was finding these creeks these arms, these sloughs that didn't have a creek running into it, 
That way there was, especially if they were north facing. So if they were pointing north and the water flows, obviously currents flowing uh, north to south, if they're pointing north and there's no creeks leading into them, the chances are the back of that is going to be clearer Mm -hmm. than the rest of it. Uh, And that's exactly what I found back there. Visibility. It was how, in your opinion, what was it like two, three Three foot of visibility? Yeah. So you had some really good clear water. I could almost see bottom. And that's oh, another thing I told Bailey too on the phone was as that main lake system drops, it's going to continue to suck the mud out of those creek systems or sloughs yeah. or whatever they're called. Yeah. It's going to suck the mud out of them first before it sucks them out of the main drainage mm-hmm. systems in the lake because it has no flow coming in. It's right. just flowing out with as the lake drops. Yeah, it's yeah. pulling and it that, down. Yeah, it's pulling mm-hmm. more of that clear any clear water that's left in the woods to, to kind of trickle in from that heavy rain is going to just kind of get pulled even harder, even given more clear water back there. So, yeah. And that was why I was so happy that I auto charted that stuff because the water was falling. It was visibly, you could see on day one that it was starting to to fall. And what I found is every day from where I found them in practice to where they were Sunday, they were closer and closer and closer towards, you know, that where that, that ditch really starts to get deeper where there's almost the mouth of it. Uh, the, the, the stretch that I won on on Sunday was literally probably 50 to 75 yards long. And that was the deepest one I found. And I, it just what I think it did is the, the ones that I tried that were in the back that were a little bit shallower, I didn't catch many fish off of them. I think all those fish, because that water was falling, condensed on that deeper mat. And yeah. that was the key. Any signs of spawning on these fish or were they completely done? Some of think? them were like had no bellies whatsoever to them, but um, no tattered but, fins. No, they were. They, yeah. they've been done for a while, I think. Right. Well, that water back there definitely gets a lot warmer. It sounds like it's a. Yeah. It, it sounds also like you're saying you had tree protection, wind protection from the northwest northwesterly winds that typically bring cold air, you know, from north to the south. Um, and it sounds like you've got sunlight on that area because similar to what I'm about to tell you in my story. The sun, you know, rises and sets more in the, you know, south, southern kind of, what southern part of the northern hemisphere, whatever you want to call it. It's more to our south, yeah. you know what I mean? Going through, So you had this south-facing slough, which is getting pounded with sun, mm-hmm. wind protection, uh, which is really exactly what I actually found on, on Grand Lake. So that's, that's pretty yeah. cool, man. We kind of did a lot of similarities here, so. Heck yeah. Well, dude, let's, let's dive into uh, your win on Grand Lake, which has been a lot of hyped a lot of buzz around Grand Lake this year with the Red Crest and all that. So you guys yeah, were literally sure. what, like a week or two after them? No, I mean, it was a few weeks. Um, it was because we were actually, I was fishing on the Harris Chain, I believe, uh, the Bassmaster Kayak Series on Harris Chain. When the Red Crest was going on, I'm pretty sure I was fishing somewhere. Maybe it was Santee Cooper, I don't know, for Hobie. But I was fishing because I didn't get a chance to watch the final day of Red Crest or maybe even the final couple days which is actually kind of going to bring bring it all full circle here. I ended up, you know, winning the tournament on a, a jig with a green pumpkin jig. And then I go back and I'm listening to the Bass University uh, episode with Bobby Lane. And mm-hmm. I didn't even know he was still in a green jig with a green pumpkin trailer until after I kind of found the same thing <laughs> on Grand. And you might think, well, that's crazy. You're like a month later. What is that? What similarities does it have? It actually has a lot. They had an insane warm front come in before that. Uh, at some point after it got real warm in their tournament and the fish just moved shallow. Actually, on that final day, I went back and watched the last, you know, last like hour or something of that so I could see what happened. But 
they got really warm and fish moved up shallow. And then ever since Redcrest, Oklahoma actually had quite a bit of cold weather, which pushed the fish back. Uh, and then they kind of came forward again during uh, the Bassmaster event. But yeah, I mean, on my tournament, Bailey, I did something similar to you and similar to a lot of people in Oklahoma. I threw a spinnerbait. So I'll, show, I'll hold up here. This is a Z-Man Sling Blades spinnerbait. And I changed the, the blade and put a uh, Colorado blade on it instead of a willow. And it was a painted mm -hmm. chartreuse Colorado blade. I added a second skirt so that it looks like a lot of bulky material. That's because there's a second skirt on that for more water displacement, more visibility. Because unlike you, I've got, you know, six, eight, you know, foot of visibility. And then uh, this is a Z-Man Minnows trailer here with the, dude, my, this, I slammed my finger on the door. It looks hideous, man. The blood's <laughs> all underneath there. Sorry, Ooh, that's, that's nasty. But anyway, you, uh, you can see here is a chartreuse, white with chartreuse tail. So the thing is really gaudy, right? Bright, ugly, half ounce. So you can move it kind of slow. And just for me with rivers, I actually bend this, this part down. I actually take it and kind of bend it down and get it nice and streamlined. And this is more so for river fishing and current, but I ended up fishing on the lake here. And, and I just like doing that to keep the blades close to the, the hook anyway. So that was what I was throwing in pre-fishing. And I found a spawning pocket, very similar to you, Bailey. I would say total, the, the, the area of this pocket I caught my fish in was probably 50, 75 yards total is where the, the main juice was. And it was a south-facing bank with – and, and the south-facing bank of this pocket was the, the real – the best part of it, okay? So you had wind protection from that northwest wind. You had uh, – so it made the water calm, and calm water warms faster than, than choppy water and, and waves and river water, which, by the way, I pre-fished the rivers, and I had backup plans to go there. And, you know, you just got to go where the fish are. I know everyone mm -hmm. thinks I fish a river or a creek in every single tournament, but I don't. Uh, and this is a situation where I felt my, my best odds were to fish here in the lake. And it was actually a, a spawning pocket off of a, a very large cove off the main lake. So bass boats, anybody could have been here. Uh, never saw another angler. Saw one bass boat kind of closely skirt my area, but not really go in there on uh, tournament day. But anyway, it was that it was that south-facing bank warming up with the sun. Uh, but on pre-fishing when I went in there, I found it was on Wednesday. The first day we were allowed to get on the water. So I go in there and I catch four fish in the 16 to 17 inch range, very fat pre-spawn. And they were just train wrecking the spinnerbait, just absolutely hammering this thing. And I'm all excited. That's pretty good. You know, I knew that that grand was going to take, you can get 90 inches, which is about, uh, I thought when I, before I got there, I needed 95 to win. But then when I got there and saw fat and short and kind of stocky and fat, the fish are in grand. I realized I don't need 95. I need 90 because 95 is, is typically 20, 20 something pounds, 23, but, and that's what was winning tournaments. And then I realized, well, here 20 pounds is, is like 90 inches. It's going to be like 90 somewhere around there. So I wanted to get above 90 and uh, I thought that would, that would uh, get me the win because it, it was winning any bass boat tournament. As a matter of fact, there was two days before our tournament Thursday and Friday. I didn't even realize this till afterwards. There was a championship a 300 boat championship, two days, 300 boats pounding Grand Lake. And it took one day, one, one boat had 20 pounds. Another day, a boat had 23, but basically anybody that was getting, you know, 15, 16, 17 pounds was looking real good. So I thought, man, this is, if I could just get 90. So that's what I was shooting for. And, um, I, I pre-fished and I caught four there and I left. I said, that's all I need to see. I don't need to burn it down. It's, it's, you know, even though it's Wednesday, I could have caught more. And usually I would leave after uh, a couple maybe in a little small 
pocket like that. I would just left after a couple, but like I said, one day tournament, I wanted to really see what kind of size was there and they were hitting this thing hard, but they were hitting it into the ditch that was leading into this spawning pocket more off of the bank, not on the bank. And so Hmm. of course, tournament day comes rolling around. I wake up in the morning. I got this bad boy tied on. I got a chatterbait tied on. I think I'm going to do what was going on on Wednesday and they're just going to be smashing it. And uh, I had a plan B, a similar pocket uh, up the lake that I wanted to take out and move to that honestly in pre-fishing, I caught them really good in that place. And I think it could have been even better, but uh, I never had to leave this one little, little area because I get there and even though I wasn't catching them right away and in pre-fishing, it was more the afternoon or evening. I found this place. So I wasn't too up too like frustrated yet, but early on, I make the, the first passes. I throw in that ditch uh, little drain area kind of leading into it uh, and it and nothing and I was like how in the world did I catch like two or three fish in four casts here the other day and nothing today this is insane and so and the water had come up about almost a foot you know from Wednesday because we got a lot of rain as well so mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I'm not like too frustrated yet but I'm like alright I'm going to fish around the whole thing and just see if I can they, they couldn't have gone far right I mean where could they have gone this isn't a big area and I don't know or else they would have gone. This looks like a spawning pocket, like they were going to stay here. And the water didn't get insanely warmer or cooler. It just kind of stayed about the same. So I was like, they got to be here. And I catch one on the spinnerbait, but it was the weirdest bite. And I got this on GoPro too. So um, it bit right at, I mean, when I, I have six inches of line left, I pulled it up and I just about to set the rod down to grab another rod. So I wound it up to about six inches, which is a little bit shorter, maybe eight than I normally even would for a cast. Cause I was about to set it down and the fish bites it as it's getting out of the water, but not even like thrash. It was just like this little rule, just slurp. And I was like, I just lifted it in the kayak. It snapped the line just cause it had no it, such short line. It was so green. I cover up on it like a, you know, loose fumble trying to keep it in the kayak. Cause I'm in this little, <laughs> crescent, yeah, this little 10 uh, foot crescent ultralight kayak, which was uh, another key to, to the tournament, just being in a small stealthy kayak. It was just best suited for where I was and where I launched and stuff. So anyway, the, um, the first fish kind of gave me a clue. That's a really a much different bite and mannerism. I didn't know what that meant yet. But again, like we said before, like we just need clues sometimes. Once you yeah. fish long enough for bass, you just need clues. And I just kept fishing and didn't think too much of it until I worked my way around some of the other spots. I'd caught some pre-fishing and it looked really good. Nothing, nothing. And then I get uh, I get a bite again on that same spinner bait, same way. Just slow, sluggish, slurped it in. Maybe almost to the boat, like four feet of line out this time, four or five. Mm-hmm. And I uh, just brought it right in again, and it the same length, 16 and three quarters. So I got two decent fish. But the bite was just off. And so then I'd finished kind of circling that whole pocket. And I'm like, man, two fish. Expected more than that. Uh, when you go there pre-fishing in 20 minutes, catch four, you know, you expect more than just two in, you know, probably an hour. Uh, mm-hmm. so I leave that little area and kind of fish my way out. Cause I, I hadn't expanded a whole lot, uh, during pre-fishing I expanded and wanted to also let it rest because I knew later in the day was when the bite was, I didn't want to give up on the spot quite yet. I left there and then there's this one tree just outside of it. That was a, you know, the water gets in, uh, Oklahoma lakes where there's buck, there's buck brush and there's willows and there's a lot of bases of trees well this one was like a willow tree that had four sort of trunks that were about four or five inches wide and three or four of them had gotten gnawed off by a beaver or something right above the water line it was probably two foot there two foot depth 
And it was just too hard to cover with a moving bait, with a spinner bait or a chatter bait. You just couldn't really get it in there properly and really milk it in the prime area. So I said, you know what? I had this jig set up. Um, this is a, a Z-Man uh, cross-size jig, and it was a 3-8 ounce. This is actually a half ounce here, but it was a 3-8 with this Pro Crawls trailer on it. And I had it set up uh, on like a 7-foot-4 heavy action uh, Omen. Uh, not Omen. Man, it might have been Omen. I can't remember. It might have been a Fate fate rod my 13 fishing rod so sorry to interrupt real quick yeah uh, what what's um is it the omen that they came out with the new the new series or is it well, the envy there i don't there's so much there's new one stuff. new rod lineup that 13 well, came out with that they are uh, the new series of it that is like people are hyping up hype, really hyping up it might have been the new there might be a new envy um because i bet you see i use the the omens and the fates and the defies which are not the highest price point 13 rods but for me in a in a kayak and my power fishing techniques plus the fact that i break a lot of rods you know and i use a lot of you know just braid and power fishing i don't i don't really need that sensitivity of those higher end rods but the the envies are incredible and the muse all those that they make the higher end are amazing but that's that's probably what they're hyping but the fate the fate v it might have been the fate v3 because i think it was a white rod i had and that's the the new white one but anyway um I, yeah, I pitched in there and I was using, I think, like 16 or maybe it was 20 um, uh, FC Sniper Sunline. And uh, and I had 30-pound braid on the spinnerbait, by the way. It was SX1 from Sunline. But anyway, I flip into this bush and, you know, just it just – I don't know if it was a God thing or what, but, man, if I don't have this bite here, guys, it just – the jig just dumped and the line just jumped and it took off out of that bush, you know, out of deeper water. And I just – laid in it set the hook and it was like an 18 and a quarter uh and i caught a couple other small ones by the way on a spinnerbait filled my limit um a couple small ones so i had a limit at this point but nothing you know that none of them were hitting it like they should have that's why i went to that jig and milked this bush and that gave me the clue that maybe i need to to work that area again but try a different bait and try this jig and so i went um after i caught that fish and that was a real real nice i mean four four and a half pound it was 18 and a quarter it was fat and tall and so i go back into my main area and i skip a jig under by some buck brush and i'm talking eight ten inches of water and again just thump and it just takes off and i set the hook and i mean it was so i was so close to this fish i mean i've like i said got real real low visibility i'm making short casts and um it just comes right in the boat and it gets off in, in the in the boat in the kayak and so i jump on it again and i've never really lost a fish in a tournament and really have never had one flop except for one that was real small and never mattered but this fish somehow even though i'm just covered up on it squirms out and jumps out of the kayak uh and my kayak is right up against the bank and it actually gets out in the in the the deeper side where the pocket is but for whatever reason it, it's disoriented it actually goes under the kayak and swims up onto the bank like fast jumps uh, goes onto the bank and squirming and flapping i'm trying to like get over there to grab it but uh it was too late i couldn't get it it just went back into the water and and found its way out but it was a solid like 17 to 18 18 inch fish you know one you don't want to lose on tournament day especially Mm -hmm. when you have a 13 and a 15 my two small ones were 13 to 15 that i had to get rid of so wasn't thrilled about it but i at least had another bite on the jig so there you go and show that yeah one of those 18 and a quarters was pretty fat and we'll get that 20 incher here in a second uh but that fish gave me the clue to keep working that jig. And 10 minutes later, I catch my second 18 and a quarter. Oh, dude, you are risky business with this one right here. Well, the bank's over there on my left. So, I mean, where's it going to go? Flop on the bank? I mean, come on. 
But uh, and, it's, it, <laughs> and, and my kayak is smashed. Like my kayak is my weight's on the left hand side, so there's nowhere it can go. But um, but also whenever you see a uh, pick a picture of a fish with me that has no hand on it and it's not in the actual bottom of the kayak, that's like one of the last pictures I've taken once I've gotten my safeties. So I already have oh, okay. that fish All right. good to go. So yeah. But anyway, they um I the jig started to just to fire and I, every bite was a clue. Like that buck brush fish that I lost, it, it taught me like, dude, these fish are so freaking shallow. Remember I told you in pre-fishing, they were out in the middle more. They were in that yeah. train. They were, now they have moved. And why have they moved up? I mean, I'm piecing it all together in my head. Oh my goodness. It, the water has risen almost a foot since Wednesday when I was in here, it's moved up to full pool. It wasn't a full pool. These fish know it's like a Hartwell or, or other lakes. I don't know. Like that. I mean, the fish know, when it gets to full pool and a lot of them wait, I know it sounds crazy, but they're like salmon. They go back to the same places. They know the same water levels. They know when it gets to full pool in April or may they wait till that point. A lot of them do and their bodies just time that way. So once mm-hmm. they have their eggs, eggs start to form again inside of them. The moment the eggs are gone, they start to form. Well, that creates this perfect timing where they can have the lake at that, the right level again and consistent level, not a bunch of fluctuating. So, with the water rose, more fish had moved in actually, and they weren't eating, eating. They were either one of two things. I was catching the males I caught had tattered fins, and that right there was, was uh, I don't know, one we're looking at there, pr- probably a, a female, but mm-hmm. a tattered fin nonetheless. If it was a male, it was a big one. But you could see the responding activity happening. The water was almost 60 degrees, uh, around 60. So I realized then, since the water had risen and the juice bank, like I said, was that south facing bank, there were some roots. I'm not talking like big trees, just small kind of buck brushy roots, but they were high enough in the above the water now that kind of like when you're noodling for catfish, you know, there you can kind of imagine the roots are kind of undercuts, especially in rivers. But mm-hmm. uh, there was little undercuts. And I promise you, I think these bass were wallowing out undercuts into the bank because they had a south, you know, a south sun that was still shining through and getting full sunlight penetration into that bank. And they felt protected to spawn back in that cave, if you will, rather than out in the open, because then they just had to protect and guard from one entrance, so to speak. Hmm. So, because they were right up in it and they needed to spawn shallow because the water is so dingy over there. They have to spawn shallow to get the sunlight penetration to be able to react on the eggs that they need. So it all started to click in my head. It makes sense. I'm like, oh my goodness, they're they're spawning or they're feeding. I don't care, but they're picking up the jig because they're up there getting their nest ready. And I don't care, you know, if they're like I said, if they're eating it or if they're just moving it. The second they the line jumps, I hit them, you know. So uh, I ended up calling and catching a lot of fish. Uh, you know, I probably caught 14, maybe. 13, 14, 15 fish, and every one of them was, you know, 16 inches and up, and pretty much almost yeah, nearly almost three twice. pounders and up. Um, so that's kind of like, the deal, man. I like this feature here that they have added. The estimated weight yes. for 91 and a half inches is 17 and a half pounds. Yes. And I will, I'm going to talk about that for a second because I mentioned <laughs> Dude, that you too. won by a huge margin. I, ne- yes. I totally forgot about that. And that was actually, so listen, here's why that was actually 20 pounds. I'm going to go out. I'm not saying it's just so it sounds like I caught 20 pounds, but it was actually probably 20 because that length to weight calculator that I actually um, helped uh, Dwayne on Tourney X. I thought of this idea and he, I was like, Hey, can you put the weight estimated weight in there? If I give you a length to weight calculator. And he said, yeah, man, we can pull that off. So he did, but it doesn't account for pre-spawn. Okay. It's an average. It does not account for pre-spawn. 
So mm-hmm. you got to add after f- five fish that size, you can certainly add a little bit. And I'm going to give myself a pound, pound and a half uh, extra because of pre-spawn. Uh, but then on top of that, I'm going to add a little bit more because I had other fish that were 16 and three quarters, two other fish that were 16 and three quarters, and maybe another one that was like right around like 17 as well. Maybe another 17 and a 16 and a half. Now in a five fish derb, you don't care if it's 16 and a half. You just care it weighs more than the other fish that it was 17 and a quarter. Yeah. So if you start throwing some of those away and actually pulled my five heaviest, I probably had, if you, like I said, you add a pound and a half from the 17 and a half for, for pre-spawn for that many fish. Um, you know, you're, you're up to like whatever, 19 pounds ish. And then mm-hmm. I, I maybe had another half a pound or a pound, depending on the you know, how fat some of the other ones were. So I had somewhere around 20 pounds, um, at least in my head. That's what I'm, I'm thinking. I would got pretty close to yeah. that mark. So. Yeah. But yeah, I mean like Andy, for, for someone like yourself that never has been in a kayak. So like inches is kind of like a different you mm-hmm. know, rel- realm for, for you and, and many other guys that have only been in a boat their entire career, you know, that calculator has got to be kind of cool for you guys, at least uh, as an easier way to keep kind of almost keep up. But I don't mm-hmm. know. What do you think about that whole system, Andy? Yeah, I, I like it. So like a little thing that we have here in Buffalo and I know Lake Erie, I think all the way to Ohio has, we have a trophy bass season. And what that means is you can keep or, weigh in one fish over 20 inches so we have two fish team derbies right Mm -hmm. and you would be surprised how many six pound 18 inch 18 and a half 19 inch smallmouth get thrown back for to have a four and a half pound 20 to 20 and a half inch fish get weighed in so Mm -hmm. it's not surprising to me that a 16 three quarter inch fish weighed more than some of the other ones you have because of that pre-spawn factor, they have eggs and then you have a couple post-spawners or ones that have already dropped their eggs mm-hmm. in your bag, right? Those fish are going to weigh significantly less. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the inches part, I've never really paid much close attention to it until I um, started thinking about maybe fishing those 20 inch fish tournaments. I'm like, wow, this one's 20 inches and it weighs four pounds. But that one I caught 10 minutes ago is 18 and a half and six and a quarter. Like yeah. it's just wild the difference. It is. It is very wild. Um, the some uh, stocky fish here, dude. Yeah, yeah, there were some good ones. There were some stocky shoulders. Ones for sure, they were. They had yeah. some shoulders. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, just to give a little bit, last little bit of juice here for anybody listening. Um, well, a couple things. One, this jig, uh, this Z-Man jig. What's interesting, guys, is the the elastic floats. It's buoyant, and this pro crawls is very chunky. It's a lot of meat, a lot of plastic. Wow, that's that's a nice <laughs> fish right there. Um, but what, what's cool about this guys is this is a, it was a three eighths ounce jig, but it fished like a quarter. And in that shallow water, I wanted it to fall slower Mm. fishing a quarter because of the buoyancy. So it it brings that back up. You know what I mean? But for a bait caster, it's always nice to have the more weight for more accuracy and more uh, distance on casting. So it's, what's cool. I had better control on the bait caster with the heavier bait. Plus is actually heavier than a three eighths because man, this is, even though it's buoyant, this still the, the crawfish on the back still weighs. So you're actually throwing heavier than a three eighths, but getting the action of a quarter. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool that the, the way the Z-Man stuff works, and you can kind of adjust your baits based on that. So just anyway, real that's a quick, Drew. Yeah. I didn't know you were a jig fisherman. I always accounted you as like a, a swim bait, chatter bait, spinner bait guy, because you're always in the backwater. So it's kind of cool for well, me. Well, I am. <laughs> and, a, and a lot of these uh 
and a lot of our viewers tonight to hear that you caught him on a jig because I mean it goes back to like the whole tournament pre-fishing thing, right? Is have a open mind but trust your gut, right? right? Like if you keep your head open and your heart open to what's going on and then you follow your instincts, you trust your gut, you knew when to switch to that jig bite because of what the fish were telling you. So right. Instinctual, bite, yeah. Yep, instinctual, and that gut feeling like, all right, I need to make a change to figure it out. Right, and, and that, that's right. And a lot of times, that's what separates the guys who finish twenty first, yep. who would have kept throwing that spinner bait all day long and s- scraped together a limit, and then to somebody who won by what was it, nine inches? Right. Yeah. So, dude, you're absolutely right. And when you think about it, think about this like this: if those fish were on their beds, they were kind of like almost doing their thing the males were making beds which like like i said the males had seriously tattered fins they were working beds when i was catching on wednesday it was not like that but think about that bite it was a sluggish bite almost like they didn't care to eat it right well what were they doing i fished that whole pocket with a chatterbait and a spinnerbait and they weren't thumping it so what does that tell you they were they were probably un uh, you know, I didn't know this, but it's muddy water, so I didn't know they were probably chasing that spinnerbait and getting it out of their zone. You know what I'm saying? Like they just yep. didn't want it there, and I never knew. But then when I throw this in there and and actually use this, uh, there's obviously crawfish that have the more curly styled. Um, you know, the hella crawls from Z-Man. You got turbo crawls from Z-Man. The rage crawls, other crawls that have more flapping kind of like you know curly ones. Those are good for swim jigs and swimming in the back of chatterbaits. But when I'm going to be fishing in the spring when i think the fish are spawning or getting close to spawning i want something that looks and mimics the predator as uh, as much as possible the, the predator to their their uh, eggs i should say and so right. with this crawl just looking so realistic and it floats up because it's buoyant the other thing i did by the way is i you can see this actually i jig it i mean i rig it where it's um kind of coming up a little bit on the end of the uh the hook so it when it because it floats the z-man stuff floats it actually sits like this in the water and mm-hmm. looks like that, like it's, you know, natural position, like a crawfish naturally standing up with his pinchers in defense. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, they were not happy with it when it got into their zone. Oh, I mean, it was just unbelievable. Just thump. And it took, you know, they took off with it, trying to get it away from their bed or whatever. And, uh, but the other little tip on, on the jig and you're right, Andy, I don't fish a lot of this stuff. Cause I seek water where spinner baits, buzz baits, swim baits, chatter baits, all, We'll really fast to, to move fast. Yeah, go ahead. I hate to interrupt you, but before you get into this next point, I want to touch on that that point you just made about yeah. how you rig the trailer because I think people might quickly l- overlook that, which I have done because I'm OCD as heck and I want it perfect on a jig. Yeah. Whereas I was on a media trip with Gary Klein, one of the best to ever fish a jig, and he had him rigged like that. And I was so confused because I thought in my mind, because I, I didn't, I've never heard of anyone doing that before. And I, th- yeah, that's how I always like straight. my brain's OCD. Like I'm, I try to be a perfectionist and I see like, if I see that my mind, like it's mad, like it's like, <laughs> it's like a messy room. And I see Gary has his trailers on his jig like that. And he gets into a segment where he talks about that. Like he's filming with wired to fish and I'm sitting on the back of the boat, listening to him. And he mentions how he does it on purpose. For that exact reason, because like say if it's a football jig, it lets those cross sit up a little bit higher. And I'm sitting there, I'm just like, Well, like, son of a gun. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. damn it, I guess my OCD is gonna have to take a back step here. And it's so we're just gonna have to deal with it. But I wanted people to know that there's that there's a reason why, and there's a good reason to do that. 
But that that's a really, really good tidbit right there. Yeah, that's that's cool, man. That's very cool. It, it's funny too, because like I said, I went back and listened to Bass U. I had no clue that you know Bobby was throwing a, a green jig with a green pumpkin, and, and it's just really cool because I think they were kind of moving up, starting to kind of get some some areas ready and moving up super shallow his event he kind of figured it out and fished the moment and and that's kind of it's just so cool man because you know i really you look up and and to all those guys and when you kind of do something uh, you know uh, unknowingly that that they did and you look back you're like that's pretty cool that that i figured that out kind of similarly but the other tip i was going to say when you're in a small area and you're trying to milk it hard for a tournament uh and you know it's a spawning pocket i mean they spawn and i and actually the heavy hitters event i got to watch a little bit of that and I, and I remember Ot Defoe saying something. He said, man, he goes, you'd be shocked at how, how he talks. And he's like, you'd be shocked at how little little area I've even covered today. Because he's you know probably known to run and gone a little bit. And he's like, I haven't even moved hardly at all. and Because he's just going so slow. Because he knew how many fish were in there. Because it's a spawning situation. It's a, it's a bar at 11.30 p.m. on a Thursday or Friday night in a college town, man. It is – they are packed in there. So – you got if you know that you you have you're gonna fish differently and I knew that so what I did on this jig so just so you know remember my kayak in that picture you show where that fish would be yeah. measured I was right on the bank I'm yep. fishing that way around this entire spawning pocket my kayak is on the bank and I'm making parallel casts to the bank but I'm not making my typical Drew Gregory covering a lot of water as far as I can throw it you know parallel cast to be able to you know cover a ton of water in one cast right to be able to then paddle closer to where that cast land it and do it again and again and just continue to cover bank this is completely different it's i know there's fish here i don't want to to cast really far catch a fish and spook all the other fish by by fighting that fish through all the other fish that are potentially right there on bed because they were just so close together Mm -hmm. so i'm making very short pitches uh very short little skip casts and then I'm able to pick off every single next fish, you know? And then what else I did to really milk it and get one last final call at the end of the day was I went around the pocket the opposite direction. So I'm left-handed and I typically fish with the bank on the right so I can do a roll cast, skip cast with left-handed. And I did it the opposite. I went around the complete different way so I could backhand flip and backhand cast and hit some angles behind some of these trees that were laid over in the water, just a couple, a few different trees and some obstacles where – I needed a backhanded cast to get my jig into a little foot or two foot little section of, of this little pocket. I haven't had my jig exactly go through yet. You know what I mean? It was, it was crazy how that made mm-hmm. a difference. And sure enough, man, my last call, but when the leaderboard went off 17 and three quarter inch fish knocked out one of those 16 and, and a three quarters. So a whole inch upgrade came uh, when I let that area rest for a whole nother, like whole two hours. I waited for a while. I actually took a little break, ate some food, just let it all settle. Cause I knew I wasn't going to, you know, hop back in the Tacoma and go to the other spot at this point. Right. I'm catching mm-hmm. 17, 18, 19, 20 inch fish. So why would you leave? I said, I can milk this for one more. And, uh, and I looked at the leaderboard just like you, cause I, it's a one day tournament. So I, I said, you know what? I, I know exactly what I have to do and had a good lead, but just like you Bailey, until they announced the, the second place person and my name wasn't said, I didn't know, you never know because some people don't upload uh, because of cell service. They don't upload any yep. of their fish. So anyway, even though everyone was like, congrats, congrats. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. We'll see, you know? And then, oh man, I turned and I think Eric Siddiqui was there and it just finally all like the emotion just kind of hits you. Like, dude, I just want a Bassmaster 
event and I'm a Bassmaster champion. That's pretty cool. Looking up to that, yeah. that brand, that magazine as a kid growing up with it. So man, it was, it was pretty exciting. Heck yeah, dude. And, yeah. and John Stewart and the gang, by the way, incredible job. I want to shout out to the folks at Bassmaster, uh, Dwayne, John Stewart, everybody, um, you know, they did such an incredible job. Mark Cisneros with the photos and Another cool thing Bassmaster does, your checks are already printed out. John Stewart's wife was there. The checks are printed out, and you walk away with your cash right then and there. So great job, Bassmaster. Every tournament gets even better with them. They're still young in this series, and uh, we'll see if we can uh, make a run with that AOI. And, and now i got to catch up over there on the Hobie side, catch up yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, you got to qualify for that TOC, son, so we can room together in Louisiana. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Chase hardware together. That's right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was talking with Nolan Miner. We chatted a bunch because, oh, by the way, so folks, if you like YouTube, subscribe to Nolan Miner's YouTube channel because he is going to have an amazing clip from this tournament, like an all out, like on the water confrontation, kayak versus kayak. A guy trying to impede on his area that never caught a fish on day one, tried to get on top of his area as Nolan's like in the top 20 and they went at it. So no one was telling me about it at awards. Yikes. And, uh, I can't wait to see that footage, which by the way, speaking of that, if you haven't already be sure to go listen to last night's kayak bass nation episode, because the, the guy there, Jeremy got into like a quite literal, like he beat the crap out of a boater because the boater hit his kayak. Like, Cops called, like YouTube's hashtag cops called and all like it was crazy. Go listen to that story. It was actually pretty dude. Hey, speaking of Nolan real quick too. fantasy, fantasy kayak fishing, Palin Finn runs it really cool. I had Nolan minor on my team and Bailey and other and Brady and Brady. I had a stacked team. You had to have the best lineup for that. I did. I did. But uh, anyway, well, they updated the standings and it didn't seem to, follow through right or something they just did it again so i bet you it's fixed now but yeah i had a good a good uh weekend for sure yeah, heck um, yeah. but yeah no nolan shout out to him dude like he's the fish bassmaster opens his first year doing the the kayak deal and uh he's fished the three uh, the first three hobies every event so far this year and he is top 20 and cashed at every single um, one so basically it takes top 20 oh look at that Current that's my money that's my heck team yeah. right there Three three check cashers in the winter, so yeah, there you and, go. Uh, so technically speaking, here top twenty AOI make it to the Hobie TOC unless there's like drop downs. Like, say if if one of the top three were to be in top twenty AOI, it'll drop down. Technically, no one's already in the TOC because he's he's top twenty three times. Yeah, so you'll, you'll have to make TOC and join us in a house. For, uh, oh yeah, man! I, I would. I'm definitely shooting for that. I'm gonna be fishing. Uh, on, you here. The, the the summer <laughs> the summer run for Drew in the rivers. I didn't have a great second day at Santee Cooper. I was sitting in like 20th out of you know 200 after day one, but uh, bombed on day day two there. But anyway, I'll be uh, fishing um, the the Susquehanna. I'll be fishing on Lake Winnipesaukee, the Wolf and Fox River, and Dardanelle. So I got four. I'll be fishing. So hopefully, in those four, I can. Oh, you know, dude, you're gonna make love some magic happen. You're going to. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Never, never been there. There's really no rivers and creeks. It's another another lake situation for me, pretty much. So uh, I can't wait, though. Yeah, June so, clear we'll water. Talk, we'll talk offline. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 Looks fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, dude, something really cool, and 
I, it was really humbling for me too, was seeing all the messages I got after the event of people that picked me for fantasy. And I was like, but also I was like, why are you in your right mind picking a New Yorker on Lake Ufala? <laughs> That's what I'm so curious about. <laughs> I was like, there are many better, like, realistic predictions here, but I guess it worked out for him. Like yeah, anybody I... from Alabama. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone from Alabama or Georgia. <laughs> dude, I, I don't know. But dude, when this, when it's your time, it's your time. It sounds so crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was just your time. And it was just my time to win again. You know, it had been, you know, I didn't win last year. I had a great year last year. I was second in the Hobie AOI standings heading into the TOC, but uh, wasn't able to go to the TOC. <laughs> What's that? Oh, you, Mark Edwards is saying you were cheap in the fantasy game. That's why he picked you. Okay. Yeah, but there were like a ton of people with that same price. Like a ton, Mark. That's hilarious. So, but, you know, you picked Bailey. You made a right right decision if you picked him. Oh, man, but anyway, it was your time, dude, and happy for you. And what's cool is, you know, I just uh, we just announced at Crescent the launch of this new kayak I've been working on for, I mean, like seems like two years, probably a year and a half, and it's been delayed and delayed. And it was really cool, man, because, you know, if anybody needed, you know, a cool time to get a little bit of just extra love and press and have something coincide, it was – you know, it was us. It was amazing that I'm able to talk about this new, the new Sholey kayak that we just launched today. And I can, I can post that um, YouTube um, video here in the comments if somebody wants to um, go check it out. But um, it's, it's just really cool. I was able to go on Ronnie Moore's, Ronnie Moore and Kyle Jesse's podcast, uh, Bassmaster Insider earlier today, talk about kayak fishing with them, talk about the kayak. And so it's just cool, man, when it's, when it's your time and God's timing is perfect. And I think it just was for you, for me. And uh, just excited about about the future of our sport and that, the fact that we're getting more kayak anglers on some of these mainstream podcasts, so people can stop. I mean, we got to say the word kayak angler because that's the series we fish. But they can stop. They can start just seeing everything in the Bassmaster universe now as we're all we're bass all bass fishermen, anglers, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, Bass Angler Sportsman Society. It's not Bass Kayak Angler. It's not Bass Boat Angler. Not Bass John Boat. Not Bass Bank Fisherman. It's Bass Angler. And and the cool thing is. You know, Bassmaster does give you all those opportunities to fish in different ways. And Hobie and KBF, who started all this, I mean, they all are giving us all these opportunities. So uh, hopefully we'll continue to get more on these mainstream podcasts. But not just that. It's not even that. It's about getting the, the kayak anglers, you know, out there with, with these manufacturers, you know, with Signature Series this. And, you know, use in marketing more because, you know, we are just all anglers. And we can cross between the two. I've considered jumping mm-hmm. in the opens. I have thought, dude, it takes you just could fish three, three in one one you know region and potentially, you know. But I mean, you know, I've you know I know people Nolan did it. I mean, like we're talking about, so we're all just kind of growing the whole sport as a whole. You know what I mean? It's not yeah, uh, and growing it the right way. That's what's important and responsibility and stewardship. So that's that's kind of what I like to preach. And yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, I'm excited about the that kayak. So I I can post it on the in the comments here. Yeah, post in the chat. Post in the chat and then post in the chat. I don't know if it goes to all of them. Oh, I posted it as serious angler actually because I'm logged yeah, in with perfect. your account. We'll so let everybody see it. Yeah, you guys um, can check that out. And but dude, so to add on that too, like you know, even though some of it might not be public facing, there are a lot of big name, you know, boaters, but also companies and organizations that are paying attention to kayak fishing. You know, some of the calls that I had for some people, you know, coming home from that, texts, messages, DMs. Well, it's pretty cool to see who's actually really paying attention to it, and to, just to see where the sport's gone has been pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it is, man. No, yeah. I was impressed with the names that were commenting on your post, dude. I was like, look, you know, that's cool that you have those connections with those anglers, and that they are 
still paying attention, even though you've yeah. done the press releases and they're, you know, your job, your PR work with them is done, man. It's that also says a lot about you, man. So that's just a shout out to, to you and, and how you've kind of been on and off the, the cameras and in, in and out of the public spotlight. So that's pretty cool, man. And, and I, I appreciate all the, the bass boat anglers that still kind of peek over at us too and check out our stuff yeah. and, and give us a little love and respect every once in a while too. So. Yeah, you saying that it makes me uh, re- uh, remember the commercial that you guys did for. Uh, oh gosh, what's the what's the text thing? Uh, oh, the Lunker text when Matt yes. Airy and, and that commercial and was amazing. Fat Cat was there. That was a really good one. That was good that they integrated. I think it was uh, Thrift with the giant Rapala jerk bait. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and what's funny is Brian New and, and Hank Cherry were there too, and and that was before New. That was his first season on the Elites, and oh man, he you know it was just. It's very. It was just a cool group of guys that were real just hammers. Just a really cool thing with Lunker Tech. So those guys do a good job over there. That's hilarious. Yeah. But dude, uh, for real, congrats on the win, and you know, get your get your butt in the TOC so we can. Because I know we're gonna hang out at some of these events coming up. We're rooming together, but uh, we need to add one more in November in Louisiana. But uh, what's coming up next for you? What what where are you traveling to next? Uh, Lewis Smith uh, for the Bassmaster Kayak Series. So you know what? I'll be three events of four that I'm fishing and you got to, they take your best four out of five total. So what's kind of cool is only five people are getting these this year. Uh, well, minus six, I guess you count the championship. Right. Eric Siddiqui's got one, but it's probably different than this one, <laughs> obviously. But, uh, so I missed Lake Fork for the Bassmaster series. So I have forced to fish all the last four to be able to have a shot at AOI. So I don't have a mulligan like, like some other people may. Uh, and I'm sitting 11th in AOI standings with only having two events under my belt and other people having three. So it's, it's pretty good. I'm in a good spot. I just need to get Lewis Smith Lake is next. I'm taking it one tournament at a time. And then after that, it'll be Pickwick on the Bassmaster series to, to finish out in October. But yeah, Lewis Smith. And then I've got Champlain for KBF. And then after that's probably, uh, you know, one of those, one of the Hobie ones, probably this, maybe the Susquehanna. And then we'll just, and then we'll start doing that river run, all the Hobies, the Wolf and Fox and I'm so Dardanelle and Winnipesaukee, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of, comes together there in the summer the northern swing if you will what about you well here real quick before oh. we get into that when will the official launch uh from robert thompson when will the official launch be for the new crescent kayak well you know i think we've we did post this um today about you know we're in we're in production now but that that just means we're building up our our inventory of stock and there's a ton of dealers we have to feed these kayaks to so it's going to take a little while to build up the inventory but you know hopefully I don't know, hopefully a few weeks away, month, I don't know, somewhere. I mean, it could, it just depends on a lot of things still, but even having said that, it's like, that's when the first one might show up in the first shop. So, you know, we'll, we'll get some more information out there on that. And there will be uh, very soon. I'll be heading down and doing a promo video and a walkthrough video on the whole thing, a full walkthrough because our little teaser today was kind of just filmed this cool. Scott Butcher did a cool video on it with uh, some cool, dark lighting it was an idea that james uh, derbecker the owner of crescent came up with he was like let's put some put up make a, a whole set of black pool black you know black water black walls and just get some lights kind of hitting it just right and we teased it so the walkthrough will be able to you know i'll take you through everything because trust me guys there is so much more to that kayak that you don't even see or don't understand yet and the walkthrough is pretty exciting so uh i can't wait to just get out on it. actual production models i've fished out of prototypes but get on a production model and uh, go catch some shoal bass, which that fish is obviously named out after there in Georgia where I cut my teeth. So there's a lot of unique similarities to that, the rare and beautiful shoal bass and, and uniqueness that it 
has in the fit in the bass world and the kayak and why it's kind of unique in the kayak fishing world. And it kind of, it'll, it'll show in those videos. I'm pumped. Heck yeah, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, for to getting back to talking tournaments, I will be at the Hobie BOS at Chickamauga. And then shortly yep. after probably see you at ICAST and then see you the couple days after in, in the, on the Susky. That's right, man. I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be fun. So yeah. Andy, anything we're missing for tonight's show before we wrap this up? Yeah, if everybody, um, you can feel free to like, comment, share, subscribe to Drew's page or the Serious Angler page. We truly appreciate it every time everybody tunes in. Like, we can't do this without the support of our viewers. So, we truly do appreciate it. And everybody who comments on everything that we do and has been along for the ride for all of us. It's, it's truly humbling and awesome. Yeah. And uh, Andy, because Drew and I have been having our night full of selfless plugs here. Uh, when uh, will you have some openings coming up for your guide business? If people want to come catch some big, large mouth or small mouth bass in New York. After June 25th, I'm oh, pretty much fully, up. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty booked up to wow. June 25th. Dumb. Awesome, I want to ride from, I want to say it's like May 13th straight through June 23rd. I have like three or four days off in there. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to need a breather. So I didn't even advertise them. I didn't somehow I didn't book Memorial Day weekend at all. So I'm like, I'm just leaving it open. I'm going to take some family time and breathe because boat traffic is terrible that weekend anyways. And then um, pretty much the first three weeks of June, it's every day. So it's and that's my favorite time to fish. Like those three weeks in June is deep water, post-spawn, pre-spawn, spawn. It's everything going on, and they're all giants. Dude, you know what I'm I got to get up there. <laughs> Andy, you know, what I'm thinking? Uh, you know what I'm thinking? And I think uh, we need to have our viewers and listeners let us know what they think about this. But I think uh, because you're so busy, you know, coming up, and uh, it's going to be hard for you and I to get some fun fishing time to go out and just crack some skulls. I think, you know, our Friday pre-recorded show should just be on the water. That'd be fun. Just fish. should be. We'll just get two mics and we'll just go fish. <laughs> Brilliant. No, yeah. I mean, I, I have some days open. It's just um, the one thing he, I forgot about me from is uh, no, is not guiding on Sundays. Like I, I'm trying to keep family days open just because I am very busy and then July and August, I'm not going to book as many days just because, like, these are my busy months now. And then September through December, I have some steelhead dates that I'm doing and bass, like, in between. So if people want to come up and do, like, multiple, diff- like, chase different species, that's when to do it. It's, like, mid-October because we might not be able to catch bass at that time due to the weather, but mm-hmm. we can go catch some big slime rockets. Yeah. So. I want to come up and do a dirt, but two on two, let's get Destin in this thing or, you know what I mean? Get him over there, me. And I don't know who the teams would be, but get up there with you guys. And and here's what's funny. And I can't believe I'm admitting this. I live in Northeast Ohio now and I've never fished really Lake Erie other than the the East West Harbor tournament. And I've been here, what, two years. I mean, I've just been busy moving up here, traveling, fishing these tournaments, designing this kayak that we all now, I mean, just been busy and just never have gotten, the right day right weather just stay off or i could just go and 
and do it. So I need to get, get out there with the experts with you guys and one day make it happen. Not, you're not that far away, man. So no. I need to do it. No. So, you know, let, let's shoot it out there now. Like November, there's usually a good week in November. That's when you okay. need to come up. Me, you and Bailey will go out and have some fun. I love it. November. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be like, you need to get here tomorrow type deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. We can make so it happen. If, that... So if you get that text, you need to get here tomorrow. Like okay. it'll be a derb, so it'll be your third derb of the year. We'll count it, so you can have a third chance. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> we'll make you a trophy. <laughs> uh, worst case, if, if Dustin can show, I'm sure Jeff would fill in mm-hmm. proudly and happily. So, which yeah. is like one of my main guide partners I work with. He's an absolute hammer. Lake Erie Trophy Guide Service. He catches big ones. So, yeah. Nice. The dude. Well, boys, anything uh, left for the yeah. folks before we wrap up tonight? Drew, you got anything? Got nothing, dude. I'm all talked nothing. out, which is uh, – Holy crap. Cut, clip this. What? We've clip done this. the impossible. I'm all talked out. Oh, man. Well, before you find something to talk about here, folks, we appreciate you all. And uh, yeah. once again, we'll – We'll see you guys on Friday. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.